What's going on, everybody? It is Gage and Brock here with another Tiefling Talks podcast. Um, number 10, 11, somewhere. I think 11, yeah, because we were celebrating double digits last time. Ah, that's right, that's right. Oh, yeah, I hope boy. everybody's had a good week and uh, time to hear more of our voices. Yeah, hopefully you're uh, in for a penny, in for a pound, and you know, we're just here to hang out, have fun. Um, so the first thing that uh, we were actually just talking about was uh, our computers and our monitor setup. Um, so personally for myself, um, I showed Brock the image already, but I use a 1440p uh, 32-inch monitor, I think, for my main monitor to kind of use for video games, videos, when I'm watching something and want to really immerse myself. It's a really great um, kind of bridge between... 1080 and 4k it gives you that really high fidelity clarity in the images um, when you watch stuff and it also doesn't push it all the way to 4k where it takes up all of that kind of computing power it needs to make something 4k it really just upscales it a little bit and so um, I think uh, besides that I've got my elongated monitor which I run uh, up and down so it's a ultra wide monitor but I have tilted it um, 90 degrees and so now I can actually fit up to three different windows on the ultra wide monitor and that's how where I keep that's pretty much my productivity monitor and then I've got my games monitor yeah and quite the opposite over here I've got four different monitors all that are like much older like my setup is a bit more antiquated uh, I built the computer man that'd be like halfway through our first year so that'd be like two and a half two years ago something like that um and it's well it's not great uh it definitely does the job for sure but it's running four monitors that are all much older uh, i think one's like a tv and they're all low resolution but i've never played like or i've never had an xbox one or like anything with like high definition graphics like I used to be an Xbox 360 and PS2 gamer before this, so I'm used to the the 720 the resolution. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I've never seen like crazy high resolution. I've never felt the need for it, honestly. Yeah. So, I and mean, I wouldn't push you to go out and get it by any means. If your setup's working for you, it's working for you. You know. Um. I <laughs> real quick sidebar. Uh, when you said you had four monitors, it just instantly popped into my head. It <laughs> makes me think of uh, uh. The guy who lives in the the cell phone in Kim Possible or whatever it is, um, oh my god, who's who behind like five screens or something like that. I'm just like, oh wow, that's a lot of screens. Even for me, like yep. my max would be three. I think that's what I could handle. Um, yeah, if memory serves, I had, I think three off of the integrated graphics and then four out of the card. I was running seven monitors at one point as a joke, and then I brought it back to three, and then. The fourth one's just for like a little racing sim seat I've got next to it, but it runs Discord, Ooh. so I can always just look over at it. Nice. Um, so wait, you run off integrated uh, your graphics card for your monitors? No, my monitors all run off of the graphics card right now, but okay. when I was running the seven cards at once, I allowed integrated graphics to dual run with gotcha. the graphics card. Gotcha. I was about to say, man, please don't be continuing to run like integrated uh, graphics card. That shit overheats your CPU so quick. 
No, but one thing I actually did want to do and tried to do and blue screened my computer and had to reload Windows on it for was uh, I tried putting a second really old graphics card in that I had lying around because I wanted to run um, just my primary monitor on the, the good graphics card. I don't even fucking remember what it is. Um, and then run all of the other monitors for like web browsers and YouTube and stuff. I wanted that to run off a different graphics card. And in the process of installing the drivers, I fucked up so badly that I blue screened my computer and lost everything. Yeah, I don't. I've never done anything like that, so I don't know how well that stuff works because I've done the the dual graphics cards, but they're the same graphics cards. I've never tried to bridge two separate graphics cards because what winds up happening is the pathing systems for the um, uh, basically for the information that comes from your hard drive or SSD or whatever usually only have a direct route towards your graphics card, your processing power and stuff like that. So to split that and stuff uh, is above my head. Yeah, I uh, very quickly learned that just YouTube and forum posts were not enough to give clarity on that. But uh, I didn't have anything of super importance, save for one of our podcast episodes. I think like the first one or the second one. Um, that was kind of fun, but yeah, that was the only thing of importance on the computer at that time. So, you know, trial and error, it's all part of the fun. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm now I'm half tempted to, to go out and, uh, when black Friday comes around, look about getting you a 1440p monitor. Oh, come on, man. Yeah. Cause, uh, dude, it's, it's. I got it for Anna last Christmas and my significant other. And honestly, she has gone from playing on her laptop, which is really good, by the way. She uses it for like her graphic design drawing and stuff like that. Um, she went over to this monitor. She refuses to play her games on her laptop ever again. <laughs> like, I'm not even kidding. Um, she it's just it's such a. If if it's something that you can easily ignore and it doesn't like ever bother you or if you know you can play with higher at higher res at one point in your life and then be like yeah I just don't care that's totally fine but mm, I'd say like 7 to 8 times out of 10 when somebody plays on a system or with uh, a visual that's better than what they have it's hard to unsee that it's hard to like step back and just not have that in your, the back of your head anymore. Um, well, again, this is coming from... I used to play... Like, PS2 was my start to video games, basically. Besides, like, a Game Boy Color or something. And that, I just looked it up. It's 240p or 480p is their display resolutions. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, for me, um, I started playing Diner Dash on a PC that it's absolutely trash. It was so disgustingly ugly um in the at for the time it was too, not too bad but then i my uncle brought over an xbox and i played halo and i'm like well this shit's just like fucking gold to turds so i'm gonna do xbox now and then yeah. i got the 360 and then the xbox one came out and i got that and um at that point i had a laptop that i was running um it was only a 1080p um but i went over to one of my buddy's houses and I played on 
their 4K TV with an Xbox One X when they first released. Um, no, it wasn't the Xbox One X. It was just the regular Xbox One, I think, with upscaled HDR graphics on a 4K TV. Blew my goddamn mind how good some of these games looked. <laughs> like, you could see the um, the pores on, like, people's faces or on characters' faces and shit. It was that level of detailed. You know, um, he played Forza on there. And, dude, the 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 reflection in the water the rain hitting and splashing off a vehicle was phenomenal it was just such a fucking good picture and so i just couldn't go back to 1080p after that i just it it wasn't gonna happen so i went out and got myself a 1440p monitor hoping that that would bridge the gap oh totally has 100 percent i have a tough time telling the difference between 1440 and 4k if i'm being honest um but the jump from 1080 to 1440 is a noticeable difference for me. Um, yeah. And, and I'm go ahead. No, I'm definitely going to have to uh to side with that cuz if you're serious about me needing 1440 and I might just go get it uh, cuz I'm thinking of the difference from the the PS2 to the Xbox trying to play fucking Burnout Revenge after playing Forza Motor or Horizon 2 on the 360. Going back to 240p, you cannot see shit. Yeah. Oh, like, dude, it is like you can get those precision like pass plays when you're like playing Forza to where you're like within like a millimeter of an inch and you can see the the differential between the two cars. It doesn't become a pixelated blob of two pixels meeting. Um until like obviously you crash into them and fuck everything up, but you know, you can get those really night uh uh tight and narrow like uh passes through like you know two onset cars or anything like that um it's really nice because when you're playing a uh, first person shooter one pixel is the difference in being able to see someone peek through a wall so being able to see that extra moment of like their elbow pixel coming past the wall you just start firing because you see it before you know somebody at 1080p would have to wait until about probably like maybe a third of the elbow was showing before it popped up Right. Um, but yeah, I would say 1440p and then moving up from a 60 to 120 um, frame or hertz monitor. Those are the two biggest jumps you'll ever make. Anything above that, at least for, for going from like 120 to 240 and going from 1440 to 4K, it doesn't feel as big of a jump. But moving from that initial 1080 and 60 FPS to... 120 fps at 1440 will seem like a fucking game changer excuse my language Um, right i i just i can't imagine playing any of my games or even my xbox on something that's not 1440 at least or my 4k tv in the living room um because it just i feel like i'm losing out you know i feel like i'm losing value on 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 the game because Yes, I do care about graphics a little bit. Yeah, there are games I go back and play and have fun with. You know, um, one of them is the uh, the original Dungeons and Dragons game for the original Xbox way back when uh, that came out. I I play the hell out of that. I still go back and play that. It's it's just a fun game to play. Um, but for the most part, when I play like you know, say Gears of War one on like the original Xbox or Xbox two, whatever or uh, three sixty um xbox 2 right yeah right as if they'd ever go in order um 
they literally went Xbox, Xbox yeah. One, or Xbox 360. Xbox and, 360, what the fuck, man? And then to Xbox One. I'm still hung up on the fact that they tried to rebrand the Xbox as the first Xbox. It's so confusing. I, I love Microsoft. I love Xbox. I love all that stuff. But it's just, yeah, I can admit when there's crazy shit going on. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's 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 really something different. Um, and I couldn't recommend that, that small scale of going to the next thing up. Not even going full force 4K at uh, 240 frame uh, hertz monitor. Just a simple little bump. Double what you got. You know, double from 1080 to 1440 and double 60 to 120. You'll notice a world of difference. Um, yeah, I need to check if my card's going to be able to support that. Uh, it's just a 5600 XT, so I don't really know what type of uh, oh, it stuff that would allow. Oh, it should be able to. 56 XT. So I don't think that's 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 not a bad one. No, it's definitely not bad. It's fucking light years ahead of the RX 580 that I had in my previous setup. I'm just trying to see what kind of FPSs I'm pulling. It looks like War Thunder is like 120 frames, um, but everything else is about 60, because I think I've actually capped at 60. Wait, wait. It shouldn't cap. Like the only thing that should cap you is the game itself. The graphics card, it'll overheat and it'll start to shut down if it can't handle it. By all means, yeah. But it it shouldn't like be like, oh, well, all we're doing is sixty, unless you have VSync on. Um, I probably do. I'm actually yes, I do. Yeah, because VSync will will limit it to whatever your screen can handle, not what your graphics card can handle. Um, so if your screen can only handle 60 hertz, it won't go above 60 FPS. Um, but if your screen can handle, say for me, it, mine can handle up to 144. I always just max it out at 120 just because it's good enough for me. Um, but I think uh, the only time I've seen really over 120 is like in loading screens when you can like watch it almost hit like over a thousand frames a second, just sitting in the loading screen. And see, that was the thing. Uh, we played Minecraft, and I think I played with ray tracing enabled or, like, this really, like, intensive mod pack, I think, or uh, uh, skin pack, whatever you call it. the Extra pack, yeah. Yeah, where basically it just puts a texture over everything. And um, texture pack, there we go. Um, I played with this one where it's really intensive on your PC, but it, it looks so good. I think I showed images of it like way back when in the original uh, campaign discord. Yep, um, I remember this. And it was just like so detailed, the sand, the the rocks and everything. It was like there was just so much like depth to it. And it was so nice. But um, yeah, no, I, I couldn't get above like 45 frames. Yeah, I think I actually remember uh, that server. If memory serves wasn't that the one you were hosting and we put a bunch of plugins on uh no this was just a single player server i jumped into i didn't want it to like mess anything up like server hosting wise so i didn't want to test mm -hmm. it on the server because i didn't okay. want you guys to jump in and like have it load the texture pack for you guys and then all of a sudden you guys can't do anything sitting at like one frame that's true okay um but with that being said i mean uh 
yeah no if i leave minecraft um just at max settings i get like four five hundred frames yeah that's that good shit for sure yeah i can't, uh, I can't even do anything with all those frames because my monitor can't even go that high so it's just like okay well let's 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 limit it to 20 120 here because if i let it go like just ramp it whenever it does it it doesn't fully load in the all the chunks around you so some chunks will just be missing for a little bit and then they'll pop into existence and it's like hmm i sense i've made a mistake right and uh even like letting it run rampant and using the capacity of the card at least in my experience it makes like youtube or pandora or whatever in the background kind of stutter and that's not not something i'm down with right um I think uh, it does say that uh, the RX 5600 XT, um, it says the card feels like it was made for the typical gamer. And while it will deliver an excellent experience at 1080, it is also very capable at 1040. Um, let's at see. 1040 or 1440? Uh, sorry, 1440. Okay, just making sure. Um, Many less demanding titles should be able to run with higher settings and still reach 60 FPS. However, if you own a 1440Hz display, you'll want free sync it. Oh, yes, that's the other thing. When looking for a monitor, whatever graphics card you have, look for the specific type of syncing method. So for me, um, it's the uh, NVIDIA G-Sync, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, but basically, it works with your graphics card to deliver a better performance to your screen. And so with you, I think you have an AMD, so you would want either FreeSync or there's another one. It's FreeSync and there's another type of sync. So there's one for one for NVIDIA, one for AMD, and then there's a uh, like a generic middle one that kind of gets slapped on as a calling point, which, you know, it's neither here nor there. Yeah, I'm looking through the settings to see if there's something that jumps out as, oh shit, that's it. Raiden Enhanced Sync. D G Sync no. Equivalent. Uh, oh, it is FreeSync. So oh yeah, it is FreeSync. I see it. Variable refresh rate tech. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. Sometime when I'm like fully awake and we have uh and i can take notes then we can definitely go over this more oh yeah for sure um we'll we'll circle back around to the podcast since we're uh getting a little yeah. sidebar <laughs> yeah sorry guys i uh, forgot you were there um no i just i don't know i get into stuff that i like and i wind up just running away with sidebars yeah. and side conversations that's how you know you're getting that unadulterated that good shit yeah, that's like taking an uh, inhale and getting high on life, but conversation-wise. Yep, pure O2 right there. That's, um, you know, the, the metaphorical taking a drive at night and just talking to someone. Taking a drive at night and just listening to the car. That's not bad either. Ooh, yeah, that's where it's at. Listening to the dollar bills burn with the gas miles. Good God, that's why I have a bike. <laughs> Fucking... Even the bike only gets like thirty to the gallon, though. Oh, like man. that thing! Oh my god! Yeah, you think? Imagine it's worse for you over there in Illinois, right? 
Well, for I know for diesel, it's uh, like five forty a gallon right now, and then for premium, it's like five twenty, and that's what I run on the bike. I think over here in Indiana, it's only like four. I want to say four seventy something for for God, that must be nice. Unleaded. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Van Von Van. Uh, for context, my ninety three extended E three fifty with the big seven three diesel in it is 19 to the gallon on the 540 a gallon diesel that hurts to hear it it does hurt but it's still better fuel mileage than what my folks drive that's fair it's the fucking 2010 nissan uh that gets 15 to the gallon yeah on regular gas when i worked at uh my previous company they had a work truck when it wasn't pulling anything it would get about 16 17 miles to the gallon uh for diesel when yeah. it was pulling something it gets about 9 to 10 miles to yeah. the gallon now that's uh i definitely feel that but what i'm pulling i've got we've got a car hauler and then whatever car happens to be on it the hauler weighs 2000 the car weighs about 5000 my mileage goes down from 19 to 15 which is not a lot. That's fucking efficient for pulling an extra seven thousand oh, yeah. pounds. But still, those those four extra miles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Over the span of like six or seven hundred miles, it fucking adds up. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess the difference with the work truck was we were pulling like a I think a seven or eight thousand pound trailer with like twenty thousand pounds of modules on them. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah, what were you guys pulling that thing with? God damn, was that like an F four fifty, like with the the open bed or something? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, one was the we had a gray Dodge. We had, um, oh god, what we have a dually. Okay, and then yes, I think the other one was an F four fifty. Uh, the back we had to reinforce the back two wheels with an extra set of wheels um yeah that makes sense and so yeah it just it pulls all this stuff and everything but even those are falling apart now and oh i just i'm so glad i'm not working in that workspace anymore because um you know my my old man uh works still works there and uh you know i just hear him coming back of all the horror stories going on there and i'm like can't be me anymore <laughs> yeah good thing you got out um you know i tell them all the time you know start throwing your application in for other places you know do what you can get the hell out of there is doing nothing but taking years off your life just the 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 mental stress of it all is not worth it um you know people people want to discredit the fact that oh you're physically fine this and that then you have nothing to worry about but you know yeah that's bullshit like yeah. mental still takes an effect on your life it doesn't have to be physical trauma Oh yeah, I mean the the stress from working there. You know, I'm I'm I was I think I let's see twenty at twenty four while working there. Um, my significant other Anna had uh, pointed out to me that I had about like twelve to fifteen gray hairs already. Um, That's god damn, you're old. Well, I am now at twenty six, but I have a lot less gray hairs now because after like pulling those out and not working there, I just don't stress that much. And yeah. 
I get that that bit of um I don't know what's it called um oxytocin or whatever basically that that good feeling when I run oh, yeah. a game and at the end of it everybody's really happy and satisfied with how it went like that's so reassuring to me because it means I've delivered a great experience and I've done something nice you know I've made somebody's days a little bit better hopefully right um, and I don't know I always always like that feeling of doing for others and helping others out when I can um just because it it it's just a good feeling to see somebody else be happy or benefit from something that, you know, they didn't have to do themselves. Um, you know, like an unexpected, uh, unexpected, like pleasant surprise, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, where, you know, you, you give somebody, you know, some cash because you had extra cash on hand, like a donation or, um, for instance, you're, you're able to sit down and really talk with somebody. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a paid DM. But I've had plenty of my players come up to me and be like, hey, you know, um, I've been having X and Y issues, so I don't know if I'll be able to make the game. And, you know, I tell them, yeah, that's totally fine. Um, and on more than one occasion, I've actually been able to sit down with a player and talk to them and, you know, let them vent to me. And that means so much to me because of the fact that I don't want my players to feel like I'm just there for the three-hour time slot. I want them to feel like I'm always available whenever I can be. Um, more than just a dm right i i, I want to be everybody's friend um the double edge of that is i feel like shit every time i have to charge somebody i consider a friend but uh the the other side of it is i want people to know that they can a trust me but b i'm a hundred percent here to help however i can whether it is literally just being somebody to talk to um to kind of be somebody to pull you out of your own head and put you into a new play space um and just you know bring a overall kind of comforting and fun environment um you know as of right now i'm actually uh i think i talked about it but i'm running a game on saturdays for two nine-year-olds and two seven-year-olds and i 100 percent love it you know i i accept everybody of all ages all different creeds all different types you know because that's the biggest thing is I want to make an inclusive space. I don't want anybody to come in here and feel like there's a uh, strict like, no, you can't be here because you did X, Y, or Z or because you are X, Y, or Z. Um, I want everyone to walk in and be like, hey, man, I, you know, I feel comfortable here. I'm, I'm ready to keep playing games. And, you know, I see you've got quite a few variety of games to play. Yeah, and being able to offer that uh, that open environment to everybody, that like welcoming feeling is definitely what you were saying to me, even from the get-go was important, but now more than ever, and especially with new DMs, being able to pass that on to them, I see what you mean. Yeah, that's, that's why I've opened up my DMs, uh, not my DMs, but like I've opened up Dungeon Master slots that I originally had at two to four now. And uh, I think I'll be having another one, um, or not another one, but I'll be having somebody fill one of those roles here shortly. I got to reach back out to them. Um, but I want to kind of instill that into the next set of DMs. I want to, I don't want to change your gaming style. I don't want to change who you are core fundamentally or anything, but I want to kind of give you that, like, you know, for lack of a better term and using a, a weeb kind of phrase, the spirit of fire, basically, from from naruto um 
you know, I want to pass on the torch to where people can carry on that ideal of creating an inclusive space for everyone and making it to where you never feel like you have to leave because something you are or something you've done, um, you know, none of that matters. This is a fictional space. It's just where people can be cool, have fun and enjoy themselves. You know, I, I don't want any political, no weird shit, you know, just, just have fun. I'm not trying to push any agendas. I don't expect my players to push any agendas, you know, when they come to me with a character idea, like, I want to fight the patriarchy and this and that. And I'm like, okay, a little hesitant at first, but let's let's hear you out. Let's talk to you. Let's see what you want. And I found out that it's not like, oh, I'm going around to burn down government buildings and this and that. I'm just here to like, you know, I'm going to protest when I see something out like or, you know, call something out. I'm like, okay, that's totally cool. As long as you're cool with staying within the confines of if it goes against the group too often and you create friction, then we are going to have to kind of reevaluate that. And they're like, no, that's 100% cool. I don't mean to cause any trouble for the group. It's just kind of like a little bit of flavor to my character. And I was like, yeah, 100%. That's totally cool. As long as you're yeah. not creating an issue for anybody. Right. Having a gimmick for your character is very different from like derailing the game. One of the uh, the ideas I've got that I've been kind of holding out on for a game is uh, the human fighter. Who, his name is Jake the human fighter. And he's a, he's a human fighter. But he also fights every human he sees. So it's like a little disruptive, but he is the human fighter. So <laughs> uh I think it would work for one session and one session only until the point where you've fought like twelve people and it's been derailed to that point. Um, then it might get to the point where, you know, I I might step in and be like, All right, well, um, they're just gonna have to put a blindfold on you. You're gonna have to be cool it with would... that. It would work for your evil campaign, maybe. Oh, for sure. With an evil yeah. campaign? Yeah, you could definitely get away with that. Um, there's not much that I'm going to say no to in an evil campaign in terms of, like, where stances are. There are some things I will definitely talk to the group about and make sure I know where the triggers are on certain things um, because that's going to be a big one with the evil campaign because, you know, evil campaign is typically linked with some pretty um you know evil is linked with some pretty typical um nasty shit in the world and so being able to kind of make sure i know the triggers you know like if anybody has uh issue with you know um sexual assault domestic abuse stuff like that then obviously that stuff's out the window but um you know that's something that still gets touched up in my games it doesn't like have a full descriptive scene it's kind of like that fade to black moment where you know it's happening right. um you know to give an example of something that's pretty grueling and pretty like um could be triggering to some people um in my silver dawn campaign the first thing you guys see when you guys go out and investigate these two areas is what looks to be like concentration camps it is very much skin and bones i described the scene of, of you know them being beaten bruised and stuff like that if you guys had ever told me that what that was a trigger for one of you it would simply just be it looks kind of like a concentration camp and then i would move on you know i'd explain all right you see this many guards you see this and that but i wouldn't explain any like um scenes that really push the point um and bring the emotion out flirting stuff like that's fine easy to role play because you know i do vitra and vitra kind of being a succubus you know 
can kind of jump into it a little bit, but you know, I still do the fade to black because you know, I I have a, a a line in the sand that I draw where I'm like, okay, yeah, she kind of like caresses your arm or or your thigh, but then you know, that's it. That's the moment. That's you know, you can either choose to do something there or not, and then it fades to black. It is still pretty funny to watch you fucking go up to that line. <laughs> I, yeah, you guys, you guys push me to that line sometimes, and you know. Most times I'm pretty, pretty on the ball with taking up the challenge and running with it. But there are days where I'm just like, I, I just can't, I can't muster up the courage to go that far. You know, that's, that's, that's like being like a, that's like having like a courageous act to do that. And I just don't always have it. Here's the thing is just, if you're ever worried about that, remember everyone in your house can hear you doing that. Oh yeah. You know, I, I, I know that, but I also know the fact that, uh, you know, the, the subconscious thought sits in my mind of I'm a dude technically disguising my voice to sweet talk another dude. Yeah. Which, you know, your socks stayed on, so it's not gay. <laughs> um, And, you know, if that's your thing, that's cool. No, no judgment, no harm, none, nothing like that. Um, But, you know, obviously for me, I'm I'm got a girlfriend i enjoy my life and everything so for me it's a lot harder to kind of jump into that um but you know i i try to take the challenge where i can you know um the the stuff where it would get a little tough is like the domestic violence and sexual assault stuff like that i don't think i'd be able to role play anybody in those circumstances what i would do is probably just describe a scene and that's the best i could do because past that it just I don't want to create a campaign that delivers that kind of creepy. Visceral e stuff, yes, yeah. that that's the word I was looking uh, for. I wanted to say like the tingle up my spine, but like scary shit can do that for you too. So, right. um, but yeah, I just horrible. Like, yeah, just, just scum of the earth type shit. And it's, yeah. that stuff's tough for me. I, I don't think I'd ever be able to role play that. It's just something that, I can't, as a person, put my shoes in, in or put my feet into the shoes of someone who could even think about doing something like that. So I, I just try to describe, you know, a scene, whether it's something that's been motivated by something I've seen before, um, whether it's on a TV show, movie, or whatever, or whatnot. And I, I'll describe a scene, and you know, if a character ever wants to talk or like, you know, role play into it, then I would just be like okay, well, the role play is going to be a little different for this one. It's going to be something along the lines of um, me kind of just describing how the, the character kind of talks to you and what they kind of portray. I can't, in good conscience as a DM uh, or as a person, as a DM, give you the experience of role play that you're looking for. So if you want, we can either skip this or um, and kind of come to some sort of middle ground meeting. Or, you know, like I said, we'll do this kind of third person type deal. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, how after, about that topic, huh? After that, uh, that depressing sidebar. Um, so we'll move into the uh, to give some bad publicity, we'll move into fight night. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I do want to kind of talk about what your thoughts about last fight night were and what you think the pros and cons were 
as well as maybe what we might be able to do next time to say fix some of the cons uh if you have any at all um i'll let you go first and then i'll kind of throw in my two cents at the end well i think that last night's fight night was uh not necessarily a failure well it's never a failure because it always brings the group together and like gets everybody bantering and stuff but it definitely did not go smoothly um as did the first fight night um and I think a lot of that is just we're introducing higher levels and higher level spells, and we're not clearing the interactions with these spells before the fight begins, so that they have to be cleared during the fight. Other than that, really, like everybody's builds were interesting. What they were trying to do was very interesting. We had one team who uh, uh, used pyrotechnics on a torch to fill up their little wall of force sphere that they were all trapped in with smoke so that nobody could teleport inside because they couldn't see where to go. Um, and then they were trying to use creation to create some uh, a scroll of comet, if memory serves, and just nuke the field. So that was like a, like just a, a power up and wait for the creation to go through. And the other team was just trying to rush them and take it down uh psychic lances i think and were really the only thing to go through besides a moonbeam um, and it was just trying to figure out like okay what can and what can't penetrate the wall of force that's what caused the majority of the problems there yeah that that uh the wall of force debacle pretty much covered about i'd say almost two hours of time um looking back at the footage of just debating it and going back and forth between what spells can and can't enter, what rulings go with those spells, what everything works with vision, sight, sound, what's physical, what's not. And then, you know, bringing in a second wall of force created a whole nother can of worms that opened up. Um, I think the, the workaround we need to do is when we see instances like this happen, we need to figure out what spell it is that's causing this instance and then we need to like take that spell aside and look into it and figure out okay what exactly did people have issues with where did wizards of the coast not make specific ruling for this type of instance and what do we need to fill in with our own ruling um as hosts basically um because that's that's all it is is it's a lack of wording and interpretation from two opposing teams and you know, both teams want to be right because it means that they get the the benefit of their argument. And so no one's willing to give any ground or try to see anybody else's point of view. They're just simply arguing. Um, it isn't until a match usually ends or like the turn moves on that they kind of look into it and they're like, oh, yeah, I guess. OK, yeah, I guess you're right. But until that happens, you know, we sit there 30, 45 minutes on one turn. Um, it's, it's not bad. I, I do enjoy the banter, but it is that kind of debating that's the issue when, and it, it's tough because team games are even tougher because then you have bias on the argument, but in 1v1s, if you let the crowd decide, I don't see why that's not an issue. Um, but you know, when it came to like voting and stuff like that, it's really tough because some people are in favor, some people aren't. It was really interesting watching Wolfgar go with HP instead of um uh what was the other one? Just a draw, I think. Yeah, a draw. 
And so it was interesting to watch him do that because him doing that caused the entire, uh, you know, everything to just go towards, I think, was it Red Team? Yes, Red Team ended up winning and Wolfgar was part of Blue Team. Right. So if Wolfgar had stayed with Blue Team's vote, then um, it would have been a split 4v4 and it would have came down to you. Yeah, and I was going to throw that on you, honestly. Like, as soon as you pop back in, I was going to say, well, Gage is the deciding vote. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I realized that. I know you said that earlier, too, and I forgot what the... But really, yeah. Yeah, there was... The, what was it? What was the... What was the other thing I had to decide where I was like, no, I don't have to decide because X, Y, and Z said act, actually said this. It was that. It was because Wolfgar had said HP. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I thought there was another moment like that, though. Nah, either way. Yeah. Does not matter. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's interesting. I still want to explore the thought of team games but i want to do it in a controlled setting i think at least from my end um you know obviously keep keep up with the saturday fight nights and stuff but i don't know i might utilize like my wednesdays off to do like a a, a team night or something like that where oh absolutely where we get um i'm thinking we start out something smaller we do like three v3s and um we do like dedicated characters made towards you know, certain classes or at least a dedicated class to use. So, you know, you get five levels into, um, you know, your, your team of three gets to choose between six classes, a wizard with five levels, a fighter with five levels, a paladin with five, um, a rogue, and then finally, you know, maybe a sorcerer, cleric, druid, whatever we want to put, however we want to do it. But each side gets equal opportunity to choose those classes where they get to optimize comes in with them choosing their own race, them choosing the, you know, ASI if it has it or a feature, um, and kind of optimizing the subclass that goes with it. That's how they get to change it up on in on their terms. But we get to control the fact that they've only got so many classes, they can only do so many things, yada yada. It's more so not for the broken aspect, but more so of the just fun te um, team type uh, combat and objective based stuff. Um, right, so giving them a template to fill in, and then they use that and their creativity for customization. Right, and you know, um, so I don't think that's that's too too bad of a deal, considering that there's like what eight nine subclasses per class, so you've got a lot of choices there. And then if we announce the teams before, you know, they can talk with their teams, do team strats on. Oh, okay, you pick rogue, and then you go this. I'll go this and do this. They still can make those strats. It's just now they are limited in how much a single person can accomplish. It is no longer a one-hit AoE kill for everybody. It is now, all right, I got to stack with you to stack with our third, so that way we create this uh, powerful you know, moment of them being entrapped, and then we drop a fireball on them, whatever uh, be the case. But I want to focus. Uh, I think it, it, it really inspired me. Um, after last fight night to kind of look into like team-based games, capture the flag, uh, TDM. Um, I'm thinking uh, King of the Hill and a uh, uh, oddball type deal where basically you the, the team that holds the, the object the longest um, wins. And then the other one is whoever can hold the, the capture point the longest wins. 
And uh, I'm thinking of going in and using the Dungeon Alchemist, or uh, yeah, Dungeon Alchemist, to make like these really intricate maps with like um, hallways and various kind of lines of sight and everything. And then, you know, like a center open room that they can meet in, but basically like multiplayer maps, for lack of a better way of saying it, where you know there's there's different aspects to it there is a large room you can meet up and fight in but there's more there's there's hidden pathways there's three different pathways you can take there's an underground pathway you know it uh kind of open up the field in terms of different ways you can do and then you know capture the flag um i know i'm rambling on a little bit but it, it really inspired me to kind of get going on those team-based games because i think there is a niche for that as long as it's played in good fun and it's not meant to be like a you need to just be so powerful that the other team never has a chance. Yeah, I think if the team games like that were limited to like marshals and quartercasters, I think even half casters maybe to like allow paladins and stuff. But yeah, I could see that being fun because I mean we did the the blood gulch from CE oh, yeah. as like a start to incorporating larger like multiplayer maps, like you were saying. Um, and yeah, that could definitely has room to expand. And I've got the rules for capture the flag and then the start of juggernaut rules as well. I really feel like they would have went all game without realizing there were teleporters on the map, and that would have made me sad. That would have been pretty sad, but uh you know, it all worked out. They actually did get used once. Yeah. Was, yeah. Uh... And we didn't make them come out of the other side covered in like black tar or anything. It's a uh, reference back to red versus blue is hilarious. Um, they, uh, they discovered teleporters in red versus blue and like one of them went through it, but every time they went through it, they came out and their armor was just covered in like this black goo every time it happened. And it was okay. just hilarious because it only happened to them. Nobody okay, else. That is funny. And so every time, you know, he, he knew what would happen when he went through it and eventually it came into the plot where that was used and everything, but yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's cool stuff like that. You know, I want to I want to branch out, you know, I want to expand on the play space ideas that we have because, you know, um, I don't want to set a brand of just one stagnant thing, because if we do, then we became we become known for that one thing and all our other ideas fall to the wayside because now we got to focus on that one idea and and pump it up as much as we can because it's the most successful, whereas now with bringing in more dms and also um kind of finding a template and a system that works for all of us collectively um i think now is the best time to start introducing new ideas and new concepts for different ways you can play D, &D you know um the biggest one being the the team objective games um i'd eventually like it to get to the point where um we can incorporate like themed type uh uh 3v3 type stuff where basically um instead of like you know in, in halo having like a warthog or mongoose on the map you have a a, car, a chariot that you can drive around and so like there's there's uh i know we discussed it saturday but special weapons on the map that you can go and pick up and stuff like that i think that'd be a really cool concept to play around with and i've it just really inspired me to like start thinking of cool map designs as well as um creating good game mechanics that'll work with that yeah we'll definitely have to 
to delve deeper into that. I definitely like the idea of opening up where Wednesdays is for team games and then Saturdays is for solos. Yeah, then we can keep the spirit of Fight Night there, and then we can still expand on on the initial idea. And I know you have a couple of templates you already had drawn up, I think, right, for some of the um, some team games and stuff like that. So if you're cool with it, we'll we'll look into that and see what we can use with that as well. Because I mean, you've you brought so many like great ideas to the board that I've been able to like look at and be like. I'm inspired. Let's run with this, you know? Yeah. And so it's, I really appreciate that because uh, having someone that I can like look at and see something they're doing and be like instantly inspired means a huge deal to me because that's, that's typically just how I live my life as I look at other people and yeah, people will say, Oh, you're not original, this and that. I'm not trying to be original. I'm not trying to be someone who distinguishes themselves from others. I'm just trying to make the best of what I can with my imagination. And, um, you know, if if I can take inspiration from movies, TV shows, books, video games, I'm going to. I'm going to make the best of the best I can with all of the material I have at my disposal. Oh, yeah. Fuck you. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. I don't have to be original. I just have to be fun and distribute what I enjoy. Right. Oh, man. Um... Lots of ranting and raving this podcast. I apologize, guys. That's that's pretty much what you hear from us most of the time, just because uh, it's either it's a heated uh, topic that uh, bothers either me or you or, or both of us, or it's something that we both love so much that we just kind of run with it. I seem to feel I feel like I've just rambled more this uh, podcast than most. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, heated topics, how about those? How about those Vecna fights, huh? Um, yeah, so for the most part, they were all fun up until yours. Um, <laughs> but more or less, you know, it, it was, they're not over. I still got like three more to host, I think. Um, but all in all, they were pretty fun as a DM. I really enjoyed it because I didn't have to do a whole lot of prep. It was, um, to set the scene for everybody, the Vecna fight was, um, at the beginning of a session, I have my characters go ahead and make a level 20 character. I, I prefaced to them before that they would be making level 20 characters, so they could have done some before reading and kind of looked into classes and stuff if they wanted to. Um, a few of them did not, uh, which was painfully obvious by the uh, almost hour and a half time it took to make a level 20 character, which which I totally understand. There's a lot to understand with a level 20 character, um, so I didn't... I definitely didn't harp on them at all you know i let them take their time let them enjoy kind of learning about their level 20 character um but after the characters were made they were dropped into a room 70 foot by 70 foot with a 60 foot ceiling catacombs six pillars in there um nothing else um not able to manipulate the room environment or anything like that at all and I believe there were the only other explicit thing was no insta one hit kills. Um, you know, obviously dwindle their health down, you kill them when they're low, that's fine. But, you know, you ain't going to pull out a, a, a wish spell and, you know, wish them away or anything like that. That's something I kind of banned right off the bat. But uh, all in all, the fights were good. Um, the fights that won the uh so the three that won against vecna um it was a rogue a 
fighter with great weapon master um and a flame tongue great sword and then it was a warlock uh and the last one was a druid they fought and won against vecna i had another team of four uh which was three paladins one was a paladin uh hexblade another one was a paladin um fighter i believe because they had the the giant's might and then the other one was just uh i think cassius was just straight paladin there might have been something else but either way they they pretty much took down vecna with all of those smites um those smites just demolished vecna um dwindled him too quick for him to actually do anything else uh and so far you guys are the only other one to win with your strat of admittedly cheesing a little bit but it still worked and i i was it was really cool to see you guys pull that off um i think you guys used the ever smoking bottle to um blind him so he couldn't teleport or do anything that required him to see a spot in range and then you cast um silence in the area um and then you guys had built your characters to have blind weapon or uh blind weapon fighting uh as well as um sentinel so yep. it caused vector to pretty much just stand in one spot and not be able to do anything um so it was it was a pretty much surefire like win tactic. There was no way Vecna was gonna walk out of that fight alive. Um and then we redid it where you didn't have the ever smoking bottle or the silence and you guys got super close to bringing them down, but that is because of the uh <laughs> the the action surge to get eight attacks per turn as well as your four attacks. So a total of what? Uh twelve on two yeah, turns. Yep. And so Within 24 attacks, you guys brought him down to 1 HP, basically. And, you know, uh, with you being a monk, you were able to disable his reaction so he couldn't, like, teleport away from you guys. Yep, um, way of the open hand. Yep. And so past that, um, you know, that still kind of hindered him quite a bit because uh, that's, that's one of Vecna's big things, for anyone that doesn't know, is he actually gets three reactions per round. And so... Um, you know, he can only use one on his turn, but he can use the other two, you know, on separate turns and stuff like that. Um, so not having those was a big detriment because he wasn't able to teleport away from anybody. He wasn't able to counter spell things. And so it really caused some issues for him. Um, he gets a bonus action to teleport. And, and if he teleports next to somebody and they take psychic damage, uh, he instantly heals for 80 points. And then he has uh, a few other things, a big hitter, which is a, um, oh, I'm trying to think what it's called, but uh, the one where it does 60 damage without a roll. Um, and then it on top of that, it does 8d8, I think. Yeah, it's 8d8 plus 60, I think. Right, so at minimum, uh, minus the, the, the saving throw, at minimum, that's 68 damage. Um. But with a saving throw that halves it, but that's still 34 points of damage, which is no number to, to sn uh, smirk at. Right, and you rolled fucking 110 damage. Half to then, 55. Yeah, luckily I made my fucking save, but still ruined me. 
for that second fight. Yeah, if you know, if I would have wound up using that earlier instead of the rightful um or flight of the damned, whatever it's called, where he basically makes you guys frightened, I feel like I probably could have dropped you guys a little bit sooner. Um and see that's the thing is like you can build your character to have high AC but those had nothing to do with AC. They just bypass the AC, and it's just a save. Even when you do save, you still take massive damage. So the biggest thing you probably could have had going for you would be, like, resistance to necrotic damage. That probably would yeah. be the only, like, saving grace that would have dropped it further. But still, you're still taking a decent chunk of damage from that. And if I hadn't wanted to be nice to Austin, uh, what monks can do is if you burn a key, I think four key points in an action, you gain resistance to all damage for a minute. So, like, if I hadn't cast aid to give Austin some HP too, that's what I would have done and halved all the damage I took. Yeah, it um, it was interesting. I learned a lot from the recent fights with Vecna and the, even the teams that failed to beat him and everything. Cause it, it was just fun because as a DM, um, the reason why I did this, I did this for all my games for one week because I was having a bye week, uh, with, uh, my birthday passing and stuff like that. I wanted to kind of take a step back. You know, I've been working my butt off for the, like the last seven months, um, trying to get, you know, where I'm at now. And so, I want to take a step back for just a week and, you know, take it easy for the games I do host and then, you know, have three days off. Uh, for the three days off, I did absolutely nothing. Um, I literally just slept because I didn't know what to do with myself. I'd been working so much that I was like, what is free time? What do I do? I don't know. I'll just go to sleep. And so I just slept for the entire, um, for the majority of the three days. Um, but then after that... Uh, yeah, I just hosted a bunch of one-shot games, and it was nice because I didn't have to do any prior prep for these games. Um, and so, uh, you know, it was just run in, let my players make their characters in the first half, and then the second half, they fight Vecna. And um, it was a really easy situation. Uh, I discounted everybody, of course, down to the, the minimum I could with the start playing because, uh, you know, it was... A, for me to have a bye week, but B, for my players to also still be able to play and have something to do without spending the full amount. Um, and yeah, it was it was fun. It's nice. It's relaxing, I gotta say, for, for the most part. I don't feel stressed to make sure all the maps are prepped, make sure I got combat encounters and stuff ready to go. It is just the the one-hit wonder. I, uh, my biggest kind of takeaway is I just hope that players liked it enough that they'd be willing to do something like this again in the future if for whatever reason i need to take another bye week or whatever dude fucking yes this would be awesome that was very fun it was very interesting especially when you uh said that i had to monoclass for it as like a bit of a challenge that was it's a dynamic that i look forward to implementing for fight club yeah it's it's i feel like it brings a whole new like type of inspiration because now you're looking into what exactly every class can do 
instead of looking at what spells you can use or what loopholes you can find now you're looking at okay what is the best amount of damage i can deal with this class okay this subclass all right how do i maximize the stuff in this subclass all right i gotta take this feat okay so i'm gonna take variant human or i'll get this asi and um it can provide quite a few avenues of just like different brain power thinking about uh different aspects of it versus just what's some broken combos that i've seen before or read about yeah yeah uh <laughs> the uh the reddit that they all came from um that they were talking about i was like i was listening they were talking about it i'm like god damn i think there's a reason i've never been over to that reddit before um yep our gamer munchkin is a uh a horrifying yet very fun place it's it's sad that it's less active these days but it's also like it's kind of proud to see that our server is more active than the the server that we recruited from or the subreddit we recruited from yeah and that's that's the goal just to make a active kind of buzzing community nothing like super busy to the point where it it's annoying, but busy enough that, you know, people feel like they can talk to somebody when they jump in here. It's not like a dead space. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, one person posts and you get a fucking... Oh, mm, There's I like don't know 96 mention... replies. Jesus. Yeah, I don't know if I want to mention the hot topic of... I'll let you choose whether we mention what the topic of discussion was. <sighs> Which one? Oh god, am I really gonna have to say this? You know what? You can censor it in post. The the anal stretching size. Oh god, based yeah, on no. character size. <laughs> yeah, I, I once I saw that, I just muted the Discord. I was like, all right, I don't, I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. I'm gonna. I mean, it was this a pretty go. interesting discussion. I can post the chart if you'd like. No, thank you. <laughs> I am, I am very well all right with not knowing those statistics. I uh um, it'll be very fun. It'll be very fun if you don't censor it and very confusing if you do. And I'm looking forward to seeing what you pick. Nah, I'll just let you get us canceled. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. All well, right. On that happy note, I think we're gonna sign off for the night. Yeah, for sure. Thank you guys for stopping in and saying hello. It's been Gage and Brock and uh you know, uh, obviously, come check me out on Start Playing. I, actually, don't. Don't even do that. Subscribe to this man's YouTube. And once you have done that, once you have followed us on wherever this podcast is, I am going to put a link for the Discord. Join our Discord. That's it. You don't have to buy any of the games. You don't have to play in them. Just join in. Talk to people. Hang out. You know, talk to us. You know, at us. You know, whatever. We're, we're always more than happy to talk with people when we got the time. And um, if you go down into Fight Club, it's always active. Uh, be forewarned, though. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, jump into the Discord, say hi. You know, like I said, leave a like, comment, subscribe on the YouTube video. Um, follow us on the podcast sites. Anything from your end? Uh, I think, yeah, just a uh, YouTube channel. We also are on Twitch. We try and stream the fight nights whenever we can. Uh, I know that Gage said not to, but of course I'm going to say that you should go check out his start playing. But yes, definitely join the Discord. Again, no strings attached. You can leave if you want. But 
it's it's quite the community you'll be you'll be chuffed i like that word um but yeah thanks for stopping by guys we'll see you next time all right take care